This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, good evening everyone. Shalom Aleichem. Welcome back. Good to see everybody. Um, we're continuing our shiurim on Sefer Bereshis. So this is the last shir on Sefer Bereshis. Parshas Vayechi. Parshas Chazak. So Sefer Bereshis was generously sponsored by Dr. Zakheim Meshpachta, Lili Nishmas, Rav Shemel, Eliezer, Ben Harav Yaakov, Zakheim, and Lili Nishmas, Dr. Zakheim's mother, Rivka Bas Tuvya Halevi. Their Nisham Shinab and Aliyah, Began Eden, Tehim and They should be Melitza Yisham for their whole family, for Simcha Sanachas, Ad Biyasko El Tzadak. Tonight's Shir is sponsored by our good friend, Mrs. Yehudit Herman of Yerushalayim. For her sister's first yard site on Vav Teves, Ellen Rose Goldberg of Indianapolis, Indiana, Esther Shoshana Bas Ruvain, Beganeden Tehemenuchasa, she should be Melitza Yeshara for her whole family, Adbias Goel Tzedek. And tonight she is also sponsored by our good friend, Mrs. Rivka Ruzin, who I see is on the shear right now, in honor of Rabbi Gladstein. I guess that's me. Thank you. That's nice of them. And also in honor of her husband, Baruch Ryabinsky. So uh, we wish the Ruzin and Ryabinsky family Simchas Nachas, good health, happiness, Adbiasko El Tzadak. So this is our last year on Sefer uh, Bereshis. Also, as we begin uh, Shemais, if you don't yet have your Sefer on Shemais, Hot off the press, here it is. It's available right here live or at our site, RabbiDG.com, with free shipping. We hope you get it. <laughs> but um, here it's available. And um, the Sefer on Bereshus only went up to halfway of Bereshus. The reason for that is because we still have a lot to speak about with the Mechir Yosef. So uh, this year we'll put some of the finishing touches on Mechiras Yosef. Uh, last time we got together, Parshas Vayeshev, two times ago, we spoke about the Gilgulim of Reuven. And we spoke about, in the past, the Gilgul of Rabbi Akiva. In the past, we, also, we always uh, mentioned that Yosef was reincarnated as Rabbi Akiva. And that's the secret of Akiva ben Yosef. The Gemara always refers to Rabbi Akiva as Akiva ben Yosef. The only thing is, his father's name wasn't Yosef. Why is he called Akiva ben Yosef? The answer is, he was the Gilgal of Yosef HaTzadik. We've tried to reconcile that with the idea that the Asara Haruge Malchus took the place of the ten brothers who sold Yosef, but only nine sold Yosef. So we had an idea that Hashem was also in on it, and Rabbi Akiva took the place of Hashem. So, we try to reconcile, was Rabbi Akiva Yosef, was Rabbi Akiva Hashem? So, forget everything we learned until now, we're going to learn a new approach this evening. Let's begin with the Pasuk in Parsha Zayechi. So now Yaakov Avinu had passed away, Yaakov was buried, and the brothers are getting uh, nervous that maybe uh, Yosef will take revenge against them. So the Pasuk says, Vayoymer Aleyem Yosef, Yosef said to them, Al Tiro, don't be afraid. Ki Am I in the place of God? Now that's a very difficult statement. Am I in the place of God? Am I in the place of God? What does that imply, am I in the place of God? That means really I would slug you right now. Really I would take revenge. But I'm not God. 
So I can't punish you. But if I could, I would. That's what it sounds like. Meaning, don't worry, am I God? If I was God, you would get it. But I'm not. I mean, is that a way to talk? It's a very interesting expression. By the way, it occurred to me, and that's why, you know, there's so much still left on the table. I said, this is not the first time I heard this expression before. Am I in the place of God? Where was the first time someone said, am I in the place of God? Rachel said to Yaakov, give me children. So what did Yaakov say? Am I in the place of God? I could give you children that... Did I stop you from having children? Am I in the place of God that I took away your children? When did Yaakov say that to Rachel? Before Yosef was born. In other words, what brought Yosef into the, wor- into the world? Yaakov's statement, Am I in the place of God? So that, that statement's like in Yosef's DNA. So now Yosef is like using it against the brothers, which is certainly uh, worthy of our attention. But in any event, uh, Yosef continues. But certainly, you don't, you don't, those words, you don't even need them in the past. Yeah, they, they, he could just continue. Right. Don't be afraid. You had bad intentions. God had good intentions. In order to do on this day, to sustain you, to keep you alive. In other words, what Yosef is telling the brothers, you may have had bad intentions, but God orchestrated for good. Now I'm the king of Egypt, and I'm providing you with food, and I'm sustaining the whole family. So what God... God had, uh, you had bad intentions, but Hashem had good intentions. So the Archaim HaKadosh explains this uh, statement of Yosef. What did Yosef mean? You had bad intentions, but God had good intentions. By the way, I just, when was it? On Monday. Yeah, on Monday I was in, where was I? In Fez, we went to the kever of oh, right by Rev. Rafal Alan Kawa is buried the Rachaim Hakadosh's father and the Rachaim Hakadosh's grandfather. I was just at the Rachaim Hakadosh made it out of Morocco. He's in uh, Harazisim. By the way, it's a good thing he got out of Morocco because we Bichlal know very little about any of the rabbis in Morocco because there's no printing press there. So all their chedushim. Rarely will Gado from Morocco have chedushim that have been printed. It's just that uh, the Archaim Hakadosh made it to Livorno, so in Livorno you had all the printing presses. So the Archaim Hakadosh's chedushim were, were published. So the Archaim writes like this: You know, Yosef was telling the brothers, God had kavanah You know what you did? It was like you know what you know what it's analogous to: someone who tries to poison their friend. So let's say you don't like somebody. So you slip them a cup of cyanide. And you thought it was cyanide. I don't mean you. I, I'm on good terms with you, right? But you, you slip them. You thought you were slipping them cyanide, but it turned out you slipped them a very enjoyable cup of wine. And what's the halacha if you tried to poison someone, but it didn't work out and you gave them a nice cold beer? What's the halacha? Your pater. Do you need kapara? You don't even need kapara. If you have bad intentions, but it doesn't work out, and you help the guy, you don't need kapara. 
So Yosef says, I know you had bad intentions, but it worked out for the good. I, be, I got a promotion. Back in dad's house, I'm the youngest brother, and now I'm the king of the world. So it worked out for me. Things have a way of working out. You had bad kavana. Hashem had intentions for good. It's like someone who tries to poison someone and it doesn't work out, and they gave them a nice cup of wine. This is literally one of the most controversial comments in all of the writing of the Archaim HaKadosh. Because it's against a uh, very well-known Gemara. The Gemara tells us <coughs> on the Pasuk in Matos, If the husband annuls the vow on the day that he hears it. Let's say the husband hears the wife say, That's it. He doesn't like my cholent. I'm never going to make cholent again. She takes a vow. She's never going to make cholent again. And then she, it comes Friday... And uh, she says, well, I'm not going to make cholent. It's not, it's, it's like you're not Jewish. If you don't make cholent, how can I not make cholent? So you know what? I'm going to make it anyway. Now, but she knows she made a vow. She says, I don't care about the vow. Turns out, unbeknownst to her, the husband annulled the vow. So she thought she was violating the vow, but, in the, but the reality is she's not violating the vow because the husband annulled it. So the, Gemara, so the Pasuk says, Isha <coughs> hafeiram, the husband annulled it, and God will forgive her. Give her. What will God for, uh, forgive her for? God will forgive her for doing something which she thought was usher, but really was mutter. You hear the case? She thought she was doing something prohibited because she didn't know the husband annulled the vow. But it turned out the husband annulled the vow, so she wasn't doing anything wrong. So the Pasuk says, God will atone for her sin. What's the sin? The sin is doing something that you think is Asr, even though in reality it's not Asr. So the Gemara in Nazir on Daf Chav Gimel, it's also Gemara in Kedushin on Daf Pe'al Famabez, says every time Rabbi Akiva would get to this Pasuk, he would cry. Why? Says Rabbi Akiva. That means that if you intend to eat Chazar, and it turned out to be kosher meat, let's say you go to... Um, McDonald's, and you say, I would like uh, bacon and eggs. <laughs> and uh, you think they're serving you bacon and eggs. They're serving you plastic. They're, they go to the back, they take on the conveyor plant, it's mamish plastic. And they give you, they put it in the, in the micro, microwave, they warm it up for you, and you ate plastic. So you thought you were eating pig, turn that you ate plastic. You need kapara because the Pasuk says here that if she thinks she's violating the vow, even though the husband annulled that she needs kapara. So Rabbi Kiva says, if someone thinks they're eating pig and ate kosher meat, they need kapara. Kalvachoymer, if somebody thinks they're eating pig and they eat pig, they need kapara. So the Gemara says, whenever Rabbi Akiva got to this Pasuk, Rabbi Akiva would cry. Because Rabbi Akiva would say, really, a person is so liable, even if they don't do an Avera, just because they think they're doing an Avera? So, what the Archaim HaKadosh is saying is against this Gemara. Because the Archaim HaKadosh is saying, that Yosef tells the brothers, don't sweat it! You didn't do anything wrong. You only th- tried to hurt me. You only thought you were hurting me. But it turned out you weren't hurting me. God was planning it Lataiva. The Archaim HaKadosh says this is analogous to someone who tries to poison someone else and it turns out they're giving them a cup of wine where you don't need kapara. But we know you do need kapara. That's why the Gemara says whenever Rabbi Akiva would get to this Pasuk, Rabbi Akiva would cry because Rabbi Akiva felt 
the great responsibility that someone is chayiv even if they merely thought they were doing an Avera. So how could the Arachayim HaKadr say that Yosef is acquitting the brothers for their bad intention? We know a person is liable for bad intention. Okay, so that's a big question on Arachayim HaKadosh. We once spoke about this Arachayim HaKadosh a few years ago. We gave many, many answers to it. But today we're sort of taking a little bit of a left turn. And that is, we're going to examine the idea that is quoted by Rabbeinu Bechaye, that the sin of the sale of Yosef, ultimately the brothers were responsible for. And they had to come back to this world in the guise of the ten martyrs. Rabbi, Rabbi Shemin Gamliel, Rabbi Shmal Kayin Gadol, Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Hanina Ben Tradyon, Rabbi Chutzus Hamatorgaman. And the, the brothers were punished in the times of the Chorben Beis Hamikdash, at the time of the ten martyrs. So let's think about that for a moment. Does that make sense? The brothers kidnap Yosef, throw him into the pit, into a pit of snakes and scorpions, sell him to Arabs, the Arabs take him down to Egypt, and what happens to the brothers? Nothing! They get off the hook! The Yosef says, don't worry, I know you had bad kavanas, but Hashem had good kavanas, and they get off the hook. And then, 500 years later, you have 10 Sadiqim Gemurim, who never did an Avera in their life, and who's punished? The ten Sadiq of Gemurim. How does that make any sense? Why weren't the brothers punished? The brothers sold Yosef. No, the brothers get off the hook, but the ten Sadiq in 500 years later, they got to suffer and be tortured. What kind of sense is there in that? What's the whole idea of the Asara Harugi Malchus taking liability for something that they didn't do? Why weren't the brothers punished? In fact, the uh, Zayra Kadosh says, that the Satan is so wicked, he was ma'avis the din, he was ma'ana the din, he delayed judgment until the time of the Asar Haruge Machos. In other words, the brothers weren't punished, but the Satan delayed the judgment until the time of the ten martyrs. Why did the Satan delay the judgment? Why didn't he prosecute right away? Why, what does it mean that he delayed the judgment? What kind of Inoi Hadin is there? What's the meaning of all of this? The Asara Haruge Malchus were Tzadikim Gemurim. So today's shir comes from a phenomenal sefer. The name of the sefer is Nezer HaKodesh. The Nezer HaKodesh was written by Rabbi Chiel Michal Migaluga, who wrote a very a vast commentary on Bereshus Rabbah, and uh, he was in the times of Reb Tzvi Ashkenazi, the father of Rabbi Yaakov Emden. And he wrote a very lumdish Kabbalistic commentary on the Medrash Rabbah. And he tries to get a, a, uncover the meaning of why the brothers were never liable for selling Yosef, and it was delayed until the times of the Asara Ruge Malchus. What's the meaning of all this? There's another very interesting Medrash. If you take a look in number 14... The Medrash says that in the end of days, Hashem will come to Edom. And He said, I'm going to punish you for subjugating my children. So Edom said, well, what do you want from me? You're the one who delivered the Jews into our land. Well, what are we supposed to do with them? Play punch ball with them? I mean, you gave them to us. What do you want from us? And Hashem says, because I gave them to you, you didn't have mercy on them. And Hashem goes on to say, 
You were very harsh on the old man. Who's the old man? Rabbi Akiva. Oh, you, you were not nice to Rabbi Akiva. You tortured Rabbi Akiva. We're going to punish you, Edoim. So think about it. Edoim is almost off the hook. God says, Edoim, we're going to punish you. Edoim says, oh, why are you going to punish me? What was I supposed to do with the Jews? So God says, you're right. But why were you mean to Rabbi Akiva? Why did you torture Rabbi Akiva? It sounds like once the Romans murdered Rabbi Akiva, so now they're liable for everything they did to the Jewish people. I mean, either they're liable, they're not liable. Either they should be punished for what they did to us, or they shouldn't be punished for what they did to us. Why are they only punished because of what they did to Rabbi Akiva? And if they wouldn't have done that to Rabbi Akiva, then, then they wouldn't be punished? So... The Yenezer HaKodesh says as follows. He says, why is it that of all the Tanoim, it was only Rabbi Akiva who would cry when he got to the Pasuk of Isha HaFeiram Vashem Yisachla. Think about what Isha HaFeiram Vashem Yisachla is. You have a nice lady. In the end of the day, when she made the Cholent, did she do anything wrong? She did nothing wrong. What do you mean? But she made a nether, she's not going to make cholent. No! But the husband annulled it. So did she do anything wrong? Well, she didn't know the husband annulled it. So in her mind, she was doing something wrong. And she needs kapara for that. Why was only Rabbi Akiva? Why did that only cause Rabbi Akiva to cry? Why not Rabbi Tarfain? Why not Ram Gamliel? Why not Rabbi Meir? What was it about Rabbi Akiva that Rabbi Akiva was so sensitive to this Pasuk of Isha HaFeiram Vashem Yisachla. Why was only Rabbi Akiva sensitive to the idea that if you think you're eating pig and it turns out to be lamb chops, you're punished? What was it about Rabbi Akiva that he was so sensitive to this? So it says the Sefer Nezer HaKodesh. What? He was a Gilgal of Yosef. Okay. That's what, that's what Yosef was telling the brothers. But Yosef didn't do anything wrong. Brothers. He felt brothers. But he's a Gilgal of Yosef. Yosef was the one who was sold, so nothing happened. He didn't do the Avera. Okay, you're close, but you still need to stay for the rest. <laughs> so the Nezer HaKodesh says as follows. We know there's a well-known idea that the Asara Haruge Malchus were the Gilgulim of the Ten Shvatim. And of all the ten martyrs, which one got the harshest death of all? Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Kiva's flesh was raked with combs of iron. Why? Says the Nezer HaKodesh, different than anything we've ever said in the past. In the past we said Rabbi Akiva was Yosef. Says the Nezer HaKodesh, quoting Ramami Pano, quoting Megala Amukais, Rabbi Akiva was Shimon. Shimon's the one who said, Ah, the dreamer's coming. He, he started, he instigated the whole thing. Who threw Yosef into the pit? Shimon threw him into the pit. Shimon is most responsible for Mechiras Yosef. Now let's, let's, let's think for a moment. What did Shimon do wrong? At the end of the day, he threw him into the pit, but Yosef ended up being the viceroy of Egypt and became a great, a great king. So what was Shimon's problem? What did he do wrong? The answer is, he didn't do anything wrong, but he had bad machshavos. And who came back to this world to pay the price for Shimon's machshavara? Rabbi Akiva. Ah, so every time Rabbi Akiva got to the Pasuk, 
that even if you do something that ends up being good, but if your thoughts were bad, you're, you're liable and you're culpable, Rabbi Kiva would cry. Because Rabbi Kiva said, uh-oh, now I'm going to have to pay the price for what I did to Yosef. Even though I didn't do anything to him, but I had evil intentions, so now I'm responsible for the Mechiras Yosef. So you'll ask, what do you mean? God doesn't punish for bad thoughts. Doesn't the Gemara and Kedushin say on Daf Mem, Machshava Ra Ein HaKadosh Baruch Hu Metzarfa Lamaisa that God does not punish somebody if they had bad intentions if they don't do the act. The answer is that's only if you think, you know, I'm, that's only if you plan to do an Avera and you don't do anything. So then you're not liable. But what if you plan to do an Avera and then you do an act which you thought was an Avera but it turned out it wasn't? then you are punished for your bad thoughts. So Shimon had bad intentions. He wanted to kill Yosef and sell Yosef. And he did. He sold Yosef. The only thing is, it turned out to be Latoiva. So now Shimon is like somebody who has in mind to eat chazer, eats lamb chops, and needs kapara. So every time Rabbi Akiva would get to the Pasuk, of Isha HaFeiron Hashem Yislachla, that if someone is mechavein to eat chazer, and instead, Allah B'yadei Basar Tla has lamb chops, you need kapara, Rabbi Kiva would cry, because he says, Och and vai, I am going to be punished for Mechiras Yosef. So you're, you're making the assumption that Rabbi Akiva knew he was the Gilgul ah, So they want to know, did Rabbi Akiva know he's the Gilgul of Shemayin? The answer is, he had no idea he was the Gogol of Shemayim. So then why did he cry? The answer is, because even though you don't realize it, but your neshama realizes it, and therefore he tended to be more emotional about the idea that you're liable for bad intentions, unknowingly that his soul sensed that this means impending uh, a disaster for him. Meaning, sometimes people get anxious about things, or they are worried about things, and they don't know why, they don't know. So that what the Nezah HaKadosh is saying, even though, even though he didn't, now, or even if he did know, he didn't know what his end would be. Rabbi Kiva didn't know he's going to die with uh, iron combs. But there was some kind of, uh, you know, supernatural, extra sensory perception that when he would encounter this pasuk that would make him cry even though he didn't understand why he was crying. So that's the idea. That Rabbi Akiva was Shemayin and this pasuk teaches us that a person is liable for machshava lechet even though they don't realize it. By the way, who says that Rabbi Akiva was Shemayin? This is the opinion brought in Ramami Pano, number 7, that the reason Rabbi Akiva said his whole life, that when he, whenever he would say the Pasuk, Uvachal Nafshecha, right? When, when uh, they were raking the flesh of Rabbi Akiva, and he was saying the Shema, so his Tamidim said, even at a time like this, you're unifying Hashem's name. And Rabbi Akiva said, My whole life I was awaiting this moment. What did Rabbi Akiva mean? Says the uh, Ramami Pano. Rabbi Kiva knew he would have to be Masak in the Chedem Mechiras Yosef, and therefore he was awaiting his whole life for the ability to rectify the sin by being Moiser Nefesh Al-Kiddush Hashem. Now, comes Megala Amukais. You know the Megala Amukais of Nasan Nata Shapira. 
He's buried in Krakow. He had Giloy Eliyahu Panim El Panim. He writes that what did Rabbi Akiva specialize in? Rabbi Akiva specialized in darshaning what word in the Torah? The word S. Yeah? Remember, there was a machlik. The Pasuk says, S Hashem Lekechatira, fear Hashem. And Shimon Hoam Sunni was a real S expert. He darshaned every S in the Torah. Bereshus bar like him, S Hashemayim. That includes something. V'yes ha'aretz. That includes something else. Somebody once asked Rabbi Sol Salanter, how do you know you have to learn Musar? So he said, it says, Hoichech, toichech, es amisecha. Rebuke your friend. The S, and what does the S come to include? Rebuke yourself also. Hoichech, toichech, es amisecha. Or, you know, let's say you get invited to someone's house, so you, and they say, you know, say, be, lead the benching, so you bench. When you, when you lead the benching, what do you have to do? You have to bench the, bless the balabayas. Where do we learn that from? V'yachalta, v'savata, uveirachta, Es Hashem Aleikecha! Don't only bless Hashem, bless the Balabayas as well. Es the Rabbis the Balabayas. Shemayin Hoam Sunni darshaned every S in the Torah. Until he got up to the Pasuk, Es Hashem Aleikecha Tira. Fear God. And Shemayin Hoam Sunni was bothered. Who else do you have to fear other than God? So he said, you know what? I must be wrong. Must be S is not so meaningful. Ka'ad Shabbat Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Akiva said, no, as Hashem you know who else you have to fear besides God? You have to revere Tamidei Chachamim. As Hashem Chachamim. So Rabbi Akiva was an S expert. Now, what if, remember when the brothers came down, who was the first person who Yosef imprisoned? Yosef imprisoned? Shemayin. What if Yosef would have killed Shemayin? Then Shimon would have gotten his just desserts. So he wouldn't have had to have a Rebbe Kiva to come back to rectify him. So he wouldn't have had the S. Nobody would dash in the S. So when Yosef let Shimon out of jail, what came out of jail was Shimon? The S. Says Megal Mukas. That's why the Pasuk says, Vayoytse Aleim S Shimon. Not only did Shimon come out of jail, but the S came out of jail with him. The ability to dash in the S. That's why when the brothers were involved in the Mechiros Yosef, the Pasuk says, Vayelchu Echav Lirois S Tsoinaviyam. The brothers went to pasture the S. In other words, they were, they were stewing up, they were cooking up the ability to dash in the S because if they're going to sell Yosef, we need rectification through Rabbi Akiva who would ultimately dash in the S. By the way, the Nezar Kodesh says, that that's why in the Gemara Sanhedrin, where there's a conversation between Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Shmuel ben Alisha, if you look at number 12, Rabbi Akiva says to Rabbi Shmuel, Achi, my brother! Huh? Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Shmuel were not brothers. Yeah, but because they were associates in the ten, with the ten martyrs, they were like bros. They were like, you know, they were, they were together. They were linked. So Rabbi Akiva calls Rabbi Shmuel a brother. Now, in the end of days, says the Nezer HaKodesh, God's going to want to punish Adam. So Adam's going to say, what do you want from us? What do you want from us? We didn't harm the Jews. God said, what do you mean? You chased them out of Spain. Nah! So, yeah, but it ended up being good because we brought them to America. In America, they built a lake with Yeshiva with 8,000 Talmidim. So uh, it wasn't bad. 
They built 500 shuls on every block. Well, it wasn't bad we kicked them out of Spain. As good as life was in Spain, people talk about the golden age of Spain. There was no golden age of Spain. Golden age of Spain means there was like two and a half seconds between murders. That was the golden age of Spain. They made up. It's a, it's a fabrication, the golden age of Spain. It never happened. It never existed. It's like in Egypt. When we leave Egypt, oh, the cucumbers, the sushi in Egypt. They, it was a holocaust. But once we leave Agullus, we look back longingly on how wonderful it was. Say, oh, the Lower East Side, it was such a good, Lower East Side. They had nothing to eat. There were nine people in one bed. It was in the Great Depression, the Lower East Side. So that's how we look at Gullus. So the Goyim are going to say, well, God, why are you punishing us? So God's going to say, I'm punishing you for bad intentions. You're right, it ended up being good for the Jews, but you had bad kavana. So the Goyim are going to say, bad kavana? You can't punish me for bad kavana. So God's going to say, what do you mean? But you killed Rabbi Akiva. Why did you kill Rabbi Akiva? You killed Rabbi Akiva because even though Shimon's intention, even though the outcome of what Shimon did was good, but Shimon had bad intentions, so you killed Rabbi Akiva to punish for bad intentions. So if you were punishing Shimon, Rabbi Akiva, for bad intentions, then I'm going to nail you for your bad intentions. Meaning the, the reason why Hashem is going to punish the Gentiles in the end of days is because God is going to say, the fact that you killed Rabbi Akiva verifies, authenticates this idea that you're liable, you're culpable for bad intentions. So once you punish Rabbi Akiva, that's your undoing, that's your downfall, says the Nezer HaKodesh. Now, Now the Nezer HaKodesh drops a bombshell. Throughout Tehillim, David HaMelech says to God, God, I want you to judge me. Nobody else could judge me. Only you should judge me. For example, number 18. David HaMelech says, Melefanecha mishpati yeitzei From before you, my judgment should emanate. Your eyes should see justly. God, you judge me. Or David HaMelech says in Perak Mem Gimel, God, you judge me. Because we know there's an idea that when God judges a person, it's with more rachamim than if any of the angels judge a person. What was David worried about? What Avera did he possibly do that he's telling God, you judge me, don't let anyone else judge me. In fact, the Gemara says in Masech Shabbos, Daf Nun Vav, Kal David Chata Eino Elotoya. Anyone who says David sinned is making a mistake. Like the Pasuk says, Vayihi David Bechol Drachav Maskel. David was successful in all his ways. Vashem Imai. And God was with him. You think David would have sinned and God would be with him? I, the Gemara asked, but we know the Pasuk says, the Navi tells David, you disgrace the word of Hashem to do evil. Says the Gemara, it doesn't mean he did the evil. He only wanted to do the evil, but he never did it. So apparently, there's something David did that he didn't actually do, but he wanted to do, that he's a little bit nervous about, and he's telling God, you judge me about it, I don't want anyone else to judge me. He didn't actually do anything, but he wanted to. What is that? The answer is the episode with Bathsheba. Bathsheba was a married woman. She was married to Uriah. And David lived with her. 
But before he lived with her, he sent her husband off to war. He tells Oria, you know, you go fight on the battle, on the front lines. Let's see what happens to you. <clears throat> and he was killed. But he lived with her before he was killed. So that means he lived with a married woman. No. The Gemara says, whenever somebody would go out to fight for David's war, she would, he would always give her a get before, before he would go out to war. So Uriah gave her a get. What kind of get was it? Taisa says, it was what? Al-Tanai. It was a get Al-Tanai. The get said like this, if I don't ever come back, then you're divorced. If I do come back, then you're not divorced. Now, Uriah never came back. So retroactively, she was divorced. So David never lived with a married woman. The only little problem was, David didn't know for sure he would die. And what would have happened if Uriah came back? Then retroactively, David lived with a married woman. Goodness was that he died. So it worked out for David. But he didn't really know that it was going to work out for him. At the end of the day, did David do an Avera? No, she wasn't married. But what about his Kavanais? In his... What? Not very good. Not very good. Okay. This is at least the way Tysus learns. So... David's Avera was similar to Mechiras Yosef. Where his Kavano was Lara, seemingly, but it ended up being Latoiva. So the Nezer HaKodesh has the following bombshell. That when God Himself judges you, now when does God Himself judge a person? If you're a, perfect, if you're a great Tzaddik, you're a perfect Tzaddik, God Himself judges you, God says, the only thing you did wrong here is your intention. I overlook your bad intention. But if you're judged by the angel Matat, then the angel Matat judges harshly. And even if your kavana was lara, if your kavana was lara, you're going to be nailed for your kavana lara. So David HaMelech says, my only Avera is not an action. Yes, I lived with Bathsheba, but it turned out she wasn't married because I gave her a get and the get was effective because Uriah died. So I didn't do an Avera, but my Kavana wasn't good. So therefore, God, I want you to judge me. If you judge me, you will overlook the bad intention. Interesting, says the Nezer HaKadosh. But we find in the time of Chorban Beis HaMikdash, God tells the angel, Angel, go to the tzaddikim and write the letter tough on their forehead in blood. They're going to die. And go to the tzaddikim and write the letter tough in ink. They're going to live. So the malachim say, I don't understand. But why are these tzaddikim, these rishayim? Says uh, God, these people sinned, these people didn't sin. So, God, so the angel says, what do you mean? But the people didn't sin didn't protest against the people who were sinners. So God says, you know why the righteous didn't protest against the sinners? Because the sinners wouldn't listen. So the angel said, God, you know the sinners wouldn't listen if the righteous would have protested. But the righteous didn't know that the sinners wouldn't listen. And therefore God said, you're right. And God punished the righteous for not protesting against the sinners. 
Because even though if the righteous would have protested, the sinners would not have listened, but the righteous didn't know the sinners weren't have listened. Now you have a guy sitting on your table in shul. He's doing the wrong thing. So you say, to yourself, oh, why should I say anything? Because he's probably not going to listen to me. Yeah, but he might. Well, you're a prophet, you know he's not going to listen to you. So if you know he's not going to listen to you, so you don't say anything. But just because God knows he's not going to listen to you, but if you don't know, you're still responsible. So the angel said, it's true, you, God, know they're not going to listen, but the righteous didn't know. So, the, so Hashem punished the righteous. So the Nazar Kodesh says, so why is God letting David off the hook? David thought he's doing an Avera, but it turned out he didn't do an Avera, and God let him let it slide. So why didn't God let the righteous in the times of the Chorban Beis Hamikdash, why didn't He let that slide? Because uh, God should say, at the end of the day, you didn't do anything wrong, because they wouldn't have listened, and even though you didn't know that, but I know that. In other words, it seems like a double standard. It seems like the brothers, did God punish the Shvatim for selling Yosef? So now it's a little confusing. He didn't punish them right away. He didn't punish them. Punish the Asar Harugi Malchus. Did God punish David for what David thought was an Avera but really wasn't? No, God let it slide. Did God punish the people in the time of the Chorbin who didn't protest even though it wouldn't have helped but they didn't know? Yeah, God punished them. So when does God punish for bad intention? He let, the, he let the sin of the sale of Yosef slide by the brothers. He didn't let it slide by the ten martyrs. He let it slide by David. He didn't let it slide in the times of the Chorban. The answer is, it depends when. It depends if somebody is a perfect tzaddik, or maybe it's at a time of Midas Hadin, and God says, you know what, I'll let, I'll let the angels judge this case. Says the Nezra HaKodesh, in the times of King David, they were about to build a temple, and everyone was righteous, and David was a perfectly righteous person. So he sinned in his mind, but in reality he didn't. God said, I'll judge it and I'll let it go. When God judges the case, even if the person thought they were sinning, if in reality they didn't sin, God does not punish them. But in times of the Chorim Beis HaMikdash, when the Midas HaDin was prevalent, and the Midas HaDin was strong, and the people should have protested, even though God knew it wouldn't help, but they didn't know it wouldn't help, then God says to Midas Hadin, you judge them and you'll find them guilty. Ah. Says in Ezra HaKodesh, we've cracked the code to the entire Hashgacha of the sale of Yosef and Nasar Rugi Machos. The brothers tried to harm Yosef, but it turned out to be good. They were righteous people. It was the time of Midas HaRachamim. And God let it go completely. He let it slide. He didn't punish them. But in the time of Asar Ruge Malchus was the time of Chorban Beis HaMikdash. And the Midas Hadin was prevalent. So the Satan all of a sudden called, there's no statue of limitations for the Satan. So the Satan calls to court, God, you know, the brothers never were punished for the sale of Yosef. Now the question is, why did the Satan do that? Because the rule is, had the Satan prosecuted the brothers at that time and summoned it to court, 
God would have judged it, acquitted, and now it's thrown out and the Satan would have no opportunity ever to revisit it. So the Satan deliberately never prosecuted at the time of the sale of Yosef, so that the case would never be um, convened and never would have been presided upon and then never dismissed. So the Satan was ma'aves the din. In other words, he he delayed the judgment. He was ma'ana the din. He calculated, you know what? If I bring up the case now, God's going to acquit. Because the glove don't fit right now. So right now, I'm not going to bring up the case. But I'm going to wait until the Churm Beis HaMikdash, when the Midas HaDin is very strong. And then I'm going to drum up the case. And then God's not going to say, well, I'm going to judge it leniently, because the Midas HaDin is strong. And then the Malach Matat will judge the case. And that's the reason why the Asara, the ten tzaddikim in the times of Asara Haruge Malchus were punished then dafka for the sin of Mechiras Yosef. That is the approach of the Sefer Nezer HaKodesh. Now, by the way, well, Akiva was Shemain. Ruvain was Rebelezer Ben Horkinus. Um, we went through a few others. Yeah. Yehuda was Rav Shimon Gamliel. We did we did a few others in the past. Arizan, it's not like it's not my uh, not like I think you know. Hey, let's say uh, now that's not my department. I'm just a reporter. <laughs> oh, that's a good question. In other words, why were they Gilgulim? It seems like. There was some unfinished business. Right, to refine the scene. You know, in other words, it seems like even though there was no prosecution before, but there could have been. So God had to leave open just in case there would ever be a Midas Hadin. There has to be an opportunity to uh, rectify, even though right now nothing needs rectification, right? It, It seems... It seems difficult to understand. Why were they Gilgulim if at the time they were not guilty at all? Right, so what exactly, what, what they need, needed Tikkun even though it wasn't prosecuted? I'll let you think about that. Well, Rabbi, but, remember, remember one thing, that Hashem joined them and gave them the permission to sell him in a way that they convinced Hashem. Right? Okay, but still... But w- so he cannot really build a case against them if, if he was part of it. So he said, I'm going to build a case during the years, and one day I'm going to send you the bill. Okay, we're, we're saying a little different, you know, we're saying a little different than that. Which Let me... Apparently the bill was sent. So what we're saying that at the time, God, had he prosecuted, had the case been prosecuted earlier, he would have acquitted the case. But because it was only brought up at a time of the Chorim Beis Hamikdash, that's the reason why it was given a strict judgment. Let's add on, Rav Pinchas Friedman in the Shvile Pinchas says, you know, Rashi brings whenever it says Vashem, it's God and His court. Remember by by Sedaim, it says the words Vashem. Vashem refers to God and His court. By David Amelch, the pasuk says. Vayihi David l'chol drachav, this is the number 21, maskil, vashem imai, 
and God was with him. We can read it, Vashem, God and his court. You know why David was acquitted? Because David was judged specifically not by the Malach Matad, but by God and his court. Likewise, you can read the Pasuk, so it comes out very interesting. A woman who commits a vow, this doesn't work out so great according to the Nezer HaKodesh. A woman who makes a vow, she thinks she's violating it, but the husband really annulled it. Does she need kapara? If she would be a perfect tzaddik and God would judge her, she would not. So it seems, so, so Rapin Friedman says, you can read the Pasuk, Isha haferam, the husband annuls the vow, Vashem Yislachla, God and his court, they would overlook it. But why does she need kapara? Because she's not only going to be judged by God and his court, sometimes Midas Hadin will judge her. Right, but no. But but what the Nezer Hakadosh is saying, even when you do a Misa, if it turns out to be good, she didn't do an Avera, then God Himself would overlook it. It's just the Midas Hadin would not overlook it. By the way, the idea that Shimon is Rabbi Akiva, so the Svarim point out, it comes out very eerie. The same way, how many members of Shevet Shimon died with the Misa of Zimri? The end of Parshas. Balak, 24,000. Oh, wow. Where do we have that number? 24,000. 24,000 students of Rabbi Akiva. You think it's a coincidence? 24,000 from Shimon and 24,000 students of Rabbi Akiva? No. Rabbi Akiva was the Gilgal of Shimon. We'll end with uh, we'll, we'll, uh, two more points very quickly. Ultimately, what was Rabbi Akiva punished for? The Maisa of Shimon? No, the Machshav of Shemayin. Remember when Hashem shows Moshe Rabbeinu the fate of Rabbi Akiva, and Moshe Rabbeinu sees them raking Rabbi Akiva's flesh. And just earlier, Hashem was giving shear, and Rabbi Akiva was darshaning, and even Moshe didn't understand what Rabbi Akiva was teaching. And Moshe, Moshe says, God, why don't you give the Torah to him? He's on a higher level of Torah than I am. And Hashem says, no, no, I'm giving it to you. And then they show Moshe, Rabbi Akiva's final fate. And Moshe says, Zu Torah v'zu this is the fate of those who are in Torah. And what does Hashem say? Shesoik, be quiet. Kach, Allah, b'machshava, l'fanai. This is the machshava. So it could be interpreted, he's being punished, not because of his maisa, but because of the machshava of Shimon that he is rectifying. So the Lashon of Kach Ola is it went up b'machshava. In other words, he's responsible for his machshava. Let's come back to the question we started with. We began with the question that why does Yosef say, I understand Yosef says, you had bad thoughts, but God had good thoughts. So therefore you're off the hook. But he also says, Am I in the place of God? What does that have to do with anything? He should just say, you had bad intentions. It worked out well. What does Yosef mean? Am I in the place of God? The answer is, says the Yismach Moshe, he says, the only thing the brothers did wrong is the Machshavara. Who holds you liable for Machshavara? Machshavara is only Bedine Shamayim. Now, now uh, the Nezah Kodesh said, God Himself would overlook it, but Midas Hadin would, 
would obligate on it. But what Yosef is saying is, look, I'm not the judgment of Shamayim. If you would have harmed me, then I would try to get back at you. You only had bad thoughts. Bad thoughts is not my department. Bad thoughts is the department of Shamayim. You have nothing to be worried about as far as I'm concerned. I'm not going to get back at you. Because am I in the place of God? God perhaps... Now, not not midas harachamim, but midas hadin eloikim hasachas eloikim. You can read it like this, perhaps. Hasachas eloikim. Am I in the place of midas hadin eloikim? If I would be midas hadin, then I could hold you liable for bad thoughts. I'm uh, I'm just a person. I can only hold you liable for action. You didn't do anything wrong. There was no maisalara. It turned out to be good. So you have nothing to worry about as far as I am concerned. Okay, so this is uh, going with the approach, Rabbi Isai, that Rabbi Akiva was the Gilgal of Shimon. What Rabbi Akiva was um, responsible for was the Machshava Ra, like the Pasuk says, Atem Chashavta Malai Ra, and therefore the Sefer Nezer HaKoydash. This is also brought by the Beishmuel Achroin, also quoted by Rabbi Yosef Engel, number 20, that that's why Rabbi Akiva, whenever he would get to the Pasuk, of Isha Haferam Vashem Yislachla, that even if a person doesn't do an Avera, if their machshava, if in their mind they thought they were doing an Avera, they're also liable. That was something Rabbi Akiva was very sensitive to because he understood that his responsibility for Mechiras Yosef lay in, not in the action, but in the machshava. Okay, so we see, you know, uncover some of the hidden secrets of behind the scenes of what Shimon's role is, how it's rectified by Rabbi Akiva, and that's the meaning of Vayotze Aleim S. Shimon, that out of jail comes out with Shimon, the drash of Rabbi Akiva of S. and Lirois S. Sain Achiv. So, Bezus Hashem, there's still another approach of who Rabbi Akiva was a Gilgal of, not Yosef, and not Shimon, and not taking the place of Hashem. Maybe I'll talk about it Friday, maybe next year. There's still another. Yet another approach of who Rabbi Akiva is. Thank you very much. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.